everyone, and welcome to Kids Under Construction. I'm Donna Tatro. Today we are talking about the news from a kid's perspective, as well as how children consume the news. I have the co-founders of Ziza News for Kids, Joanne Suen and Sapna Satagopan. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Donna. Thanks for having us. So let's first start off. Why did you start Ziza and when? Joanne, you want go to go? Go for it, Sapna. <laughs> uh, sure. So uh, Ziza started around four years ago. It was actually the previous election cycle. So it feels like we've come a full circle in 2020. But the whole idea behind Ziza was we as parents, both of us are parents, we went to business school together, but we've been friends for a long time. And as parents, we were actually kind of curious about what really exists about how we can talk about the news to kids. Uh, we had young kids, I mean, they're still young, but they were starting to ask questions about politics and elections. And so it really started us uh, thinking about how can we talk to the kids about news in a way that's thoughtful. So we looked around and we saw what were kind of available right now. and. Uh, what we really wanted to build was an option where parents can use a resource that will talk to their kids about the news, but also provide context around what's happening, because that's something that's definitely missing when we think about mainstream news. Uh, there's a whole lot of context that kids need. I mean, some of the kids, they, you know, this is the first year that they're really thinking about something like the Olympics or the presidential election. So we really wanted to build something that provided context and background and really shared news in a way that's interesting to kids and not something that would be scary or, uh, you know, that they would be scared of. But do yeah, I want to... Sorry, and just to add to that, we found that a lot of resources that kids were given were, you know, kind of adult-driven. Um, and we really wanted to produce something that was kid-focused, kid-led, kid-interest-led. Um, and so for us, it was more about news talking at them, but for an opportunity for them to be engaged in the news as well. So topics that they might be interested in. And a lot of the stories that we write are, um, like I, I keep emphasizing that interest-based um, story. So it's not about you know, all about scary and the bad, but it's about the interesting and the good and what else is out there. You know, I was always talk uh, to something about uh, how John Krasinski started some good news. And for us, it is a mix about the good news, the interesting news. Yeah, there's scary news out there too. But when we talk about something like COVID-19 and vaccines coming up, we like to add that light at the end of the tunnel or how the world has fought pandemics before and how we've survived and kind of um, come, all, come around. I really like that thought process because I think that news is really scary for kids and and not to be Pollyanna-ish about it, but to um, show the, the other side, the good mm -hmm. side, the good things that are going on in the world. Um, so talk a little bit about um, kids. You know, you've got you've got different groups of kids. You've got a K through two. You've got a three through six. You've got middle school and high school. How can parents talk to kids in each of these segments? I think it would be interesting for parents to know because it is very difficult. It's a different conversation with the younger children from the older children. So Sapna, can you talk to that? Uh, sure, and Joanne, jump in as well. Um, we've actually, I mean, in the last four years, 
we have learned a lot about how kids react to news and how different age groups uh, really think about news in very different ways. So for us, the way we really break it down is we talk about what's happening, we provide the context around it, which is definitely more interesting and useful for the younger kids. When we really talk about something like, uh, you know, what's happening in California or what's happening in the state or the country, they need to have that context around it so that it makes sense for the younger kids to understand why this is relevant to me, why is this important to me. And the example that we always talk about is, uh, you know, when we're talking about even something that is big and, and seemingly kind of unrelated, a Brexit topic, for example, for a kid, it, none of that really makes sense. But when they really think about it as the way we provide the context around it is what would happen if your classroom or, you know, your your uh, class broke away from the school? What happens? Do you have access to the cafeteria? Do you have access to the playground? And so the idea for at least the younger kids is how can we provide the context and the relevance to them so that it makes sense to their world as they live it? Because they're not out there talking about, you know, policy they're really going around their neighborhoods and talking to their communities and families. So the idea for the younger kids is always to think about how can we make it relevant and interesting to how they live their lives and what they see around them. And for older kids, we have definitely seen, especially as they go into the uh, you know, older elementary and middle school, they start to have these strong opinions and perspectives. So in that case, it's more a question about how can we lead them and ask them for their perspectives because they definitely come at it with their own opinions. And the whole idea is how can we really create a discussion around that? And so that's kind of how it really breaks between the younger and the older kids, because context is relevant no matter who, but the older kids definitely are the ones with stronger opinions. So we really want that to help lead the discussion. And Joanne, how do you help kids decipher, the older ones, what is real news and what is not real news? Um, without getting into all of the dis different discussions that are going around it um, and stay strictly in the news. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I have nieces and nephews who are right in that kind of older age range in high school and they'll come to me and say, oh, did you hear? And I was like, well, where did that come from? Where did you hear that from? I think that just going to find finding out where the source is coming from is really important and not so much as a parent or adult saying, oh, you know, the source is actually X, but to ask them to really think about where it came from and where they heard it from. Was it from a friend? Was it at school, at the playground, at the basketball court, wherever it was and how their, you know, perhaps friends uh, uh, found that quote unquote fact. Um, so that's one one piece of it. I think it's really, really interesting to um, kind of, it, it, when it comes to a certain topic that may be, have, may have elements of, you know, differing opinions and different perhaps perspectives on a certain topic, it's always good to open up the discussion. I think one of the things we really try to do with older readers and older, uh, the kids who are our junior reporters who are a little older, is to share perspective to a story, two different sides of a story, and trying to have them really understand and think critically about what the actual topic is. So in my mind, I always think, okay, where's the source? And two, let's discuss it. Where are your, um, where's the thought process coming from? And really building in some elements of critical thinking. So when we talk about sources, um, 
where would you advise parents to help their kids kind of that path going toward the right sources or to credible sources? How does a parent have that discussion with their kid to make sure that, you know, just like, you know, you're going to be teaching your children how to eat healthfully, you're going to lead them toward nutritious foods. So how are you going to lead children in this environment when there's so much, when they have so much access on their phones, computers, how do you lead them through this? Uh, I think, I mean, one of the things that we've always kind of noticed especially when we talk about the internet and we've talked to kids, we've talked to parents as well, is how many mistakes we ourselves make as parents when we're really thinking about the news and you know consuming news or even stories that's online. So one of the things that we always talk about is how can we show that how we also are going through similar processes, whether it's actually looking through the news and breaking it apart to see what is it actually that is uh, trustworthy and, and uh, you know, relevant to the topic. So the one thing that we've definitely uh, emphasized on is how we are learning the whole, the whole learning process is happening both for the parents and the kids, even though we are the ones who are growing up with devices from, you know, age two or three, or even earlier than that, we are also coming into it fairly kind of, uh, you know, new to the whole realm of, you know, fake news and um, unreliable sources. So really going through the process together and really thinking about how parents themselves can set examples or share examples of uh, news stories that they thought that would might be true, but then actually turned out not to be necessarily relevant is a great way to just kind of reduce the burden in a way on kids and not make it seem like they have the whole you know pressure of finding the right source on their shoulders, but to show that it's a learning process for everybody, that even parents make mistakes, and it's something that everybody has to be cautious about, has has definitely helped kind of uh, reduce that the, the pressure of actually finding the right news source every single time. So just sharing perspectives on how we ourselves have made uh, mistakes as parents has uh, definitely helped kind of lower the bar for what could go wrong and keep it as a learning process for everybody. So we're really talking about modeling this for our kids, just as we would model other things in parenting. Joanne, talk a little bit about um, what kids are too young to be consuming any of this. I mean, um, kids, you know, they're not in class, you know, in person right now. But when another kid tells another child about something that they overheard on the TV or with another family, their own family, um, how do you protect your kid from that if you aren't having them consume that news? I think for, I, you know, I think every parent has their own comfort level in terms of speaking about the news and talking about different topics with their own children. I think if, you know, when we do get these, this question quite often, um, like when is, when is it the right age to talk about the news or what types of topics are appropriate for younger children? And we always go back to, you're your own gauge for your child. Um, it's really hard to say, oh, at two, you shouldn't be talking about the news. I did with my child. Um, but what what I think is really important is how deep do you go into a specific story depending on the age of a child? Um, and what kind of story are you talking about? So for example, if um, your child hears about something that's happening in the election. And of course, the elections are over. But, you know, there were a lot of conversations about election um, and just campaigns and what uh, each of the candidates were saying about each other. And I think, you know, going back into kind of like what Stephanie was talking about, 
of sharing a little bit more context around elections or history of the election and what, you know, um, campaign slogans are about, kind of taking it away from the kind of the chatter um, that's happening in the news, but rather providing more of the historical context, stories relating to the election helps a lot in terms of any age group and in, in any any uh, age group when it comes to sharing the news. So I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, this news that's upcoming really is the vaccine and what that means. And is the, is the vaccine going to be safe for me to take as a child? That might be something that's scary for them if they overhear something like that. How do we help our children once they consume the news, feel okay about the news? Um, and how much news should they be consuming? Um, and I'm talking more about our high schoolers at this point. Yeah, and I think, I mean, the vaccine is actually a, a great topic because when we talked about the COVID-19 from, you know, March and April when the whole uh, discussion started, for us, it was really important. It, some of the questions that we always get were, you know, this is scary. I mean, this is a new reality that a lot of our kids are facing, whether they're in elementary school or middle school or high school, and it's unprecedented. But one of the things that we always kind of uh, keep as our anchor when we're talking about news, especially when it relates to something like a pandemic, is the fact that the world has gone through pandemics before, it might be our first pandemic. I mean, it certainly is the first, you know, that I have felt so real, like it's actually impacted the way we live, but it has happened in the past. And so even when we are talking about the vaccine, providing that background and context to how actually it takes years. So some of the things that we talk about is the polio vaccine, how long that took for it to go from real from start to finish and how many years it actually took for them to eradicate uh, or try to eradicate polio across the world. So providing that context, first of all, sets the anchor to know what to expect. This is not the fast moving life that, you know, the fast moving reactions that we can expect as we do today from digital and social media, but that things like this take a lot of time. So providing that context for one. And secondly, really providing the information on what countries around the world are doing, because I think there is also an element of us when we are here, there's a whole lot of, you know, what we are seeing around us really impact how we think about things. But if we kind of step out from that a little bit. What's happening in New Zealand? What's happening in Singapore? What's happening in Taiwan? And it's not necessarily a look at every country in the world, but really looking at different approaches that different places are taking just to provide that context and the, and a little bit of a comfort that the whole one, the whole world is going through this together. And two, there are ways that people are actually overcoming it. And three, that sometimes, you know, there will be kind of this fallback and step back, but it's all part of the process. But really explaining the context to which we are thinking about this as the 2020, you know, 20 COVID-19 situation, but that there have been events in the past, even as, you know, recent as 2008, 2009, really helps kind of anchor the idea that this is not the first time in the world that this has happened, but there is a process to it. And in fact, there are some great signs when something like a vaccine is developed much quicker than it usually has, but there are still those steps to take care of. And so keeping our eyes on what the steps are, not necessarily hyping it up to say, yes, we have a vaccine and for kids to really think about, oh, is this going to be available to us tomorrow? That still comes later. We are still in the process and really grounding the reality to how, uh, how 
things can take time is so important, especially today when things are moving so fast and the expectation is things, you know, you just snap your fingers and there should be solutions to really provide the context around that. And that it's actually better than it has been before. We're able to move around things much quicker. So again, going back to what Joanne said, the context has been really important because sometimes it's easy to forget that this is the first time any of the kids are seeing things like events like this unfold while we might be aware of it as adults from our past you know experiences uh, we really need to be nuanced about how we provide the context around these topics and donna just to add a little bit because you had mentioned something like how much news is too much news to consume especially when it comes to covid and, and the vaccine and you know as an adult myself I, i'm sometimes overwhelmed with it as well but we are also yes. very fascinated with what's going to happen next um, one of the things that we try to emphasize when it comes to um, kids and news we know that the attention span of younger children are a bit shorter and that's why the news that we produce is very short. You know, it's very concise and it's to the point. However, we also know in the digital age, information is key. We want it right away, right away, right away. But I think with Sapna and I, we try really hard to kind of step back for a moment and ask our audience to pause and really just okay. wait a period of time before consuming every second of news. Because, yes, things change constantly but that change doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be factual as it changes so quickly. So just pause for a second and really consume it and think about, you know, in due time, maybe like once every week thinking like what is happening next? Because even with our very fast society, even with like innovative science and technology, we still have to pause for a second because there's iterations and there are changes and same with the news. And so I guess my, if I were to give any kind of like advice to down for a second, at least with COVID and, and the vaccine, slow down, know that we, what, what you have to do to protect yourself at this moment. But when it comes to the vaccine, it will come in time. I love that. I love that idea about pausing and taking a step back and then going back to it. How does Ziza News for Kids disseminate um, your information? Is it video? Is it newsletter? Let parents know how they can get this news. Oh. Sure. So we are available online, but we're actually also a printed newspaper and we have a monthly. I love that. It gets shipped directly home. And it's one of those things where, again, going back to your point, younger kids versus older kids. This has actually been a really interesting year because digital fatigue is real with distance learning and all the things that come with devices. So um, in a way, it's, it's actually been a great way to really introduce the idea of offline activities. So printed newspaper has been great. We still believe that it's, it gives rise to really interesting conversations because a newspaper is almost like a shared experience. It's sitting there on your living room table. Uh, but we're also online. And just in terms of the formats that we produce our news in, it's definitely news articles. That's part of the newspaper as well as online. But uh, point going back to what Joanne said earlier, just uh, the idea of quick information. We also do, you know, include news trivia, which has been a great way to really get the engagement going and actually kind of fold in the spinach and the lasagna kind of a thing where we're actually asking a fun trivia question about something that's happening in the world. But we're also telling you a little bit about what's happening in the world through the same trivia question and answer. So that has been great. And we do produce videos for topics that are timely. So COVID-19 election, we definitely produced videos there. Um, and that's more about how can we explain a complicated concept or a topic in a more simplified way. Is there anything I'm missing? Yeah, sorry. No, but I just wanted to add like, the reason why we have printed newspapers and we have a digital format is that we really, really, truly, honestly believe that news should be accessed no matter 
where you are, what you have, what you don't have. So when it comes to print, it's very expensive to print, but we also think it's a much needed resource out there. Um, we have many libraries who, who um, subscribe to our newspaper for that exact reason. It's about access. It's access. Interesting. What are what is the feedback that you're getting from parents um, when they use your service? Uh, I, I can talk about one of the more recent conversations. It's been really interesting this year, especially because we are based in the U.S. We are based in San Francisco, but we also have families subscribed to us from Canada and from Asia as well. And recently we've started kind of uh, getting interest from families in Europe, too. The feedback has been great, especially for something like uh, where parents are looking for a thoughtful resource that exists for kids. And the idea of a printed newspaper, going back to what I said, has been great because one, it's not not digital and two it really is something that parents can share when they have their newspaper and the kids have their newspaper as well and just in terms of the stories that we are putting in our in our newspapers and online uh, the idea that it's actually a mix of different topics whether it's world events whether it's kind of a debate topic or whether it's something that is uh, trivia based um, the combination has been really useful not every kid is going to be interested in every news topic a kid who's into sports might not necessarily be into other topics and so forth but the idea is how can we really talk about the world because news is essentially stories about what's happening in the world right now so the idea is to think of them as interesting stories about the world and not necessarily get fixated on the topic because you know you could learn from any category there is so that part has been really kind of resonant with parents and grandparents as well yeah i was going to add grandparents <laughs> um grandparents have been very very you know they're they're the the new caretaker in a sense right yes um because as parents we're all working and and I'm very thankful for my parents whenever they can help. And I know a lot of grandparents out there want to be helpful as well. And so we've gotten a lot of feedback from grandparents saying, you know, we love the newspaper because we can have these open discussions with our grandchildren as we're caring for them or, or becoming their second teacher, really. Um, and so it's been really, really nice hearing from our customers and just how they use it and what they use it for and even who's using it. Um, and so we've been really, really grateful and thankful for, for, for our customers, honestly. That's really interesting. Um, talk a little bit about, you do have uh, kid reporters? We do. So we have junior reporter program where kids get to report about what's happening around them and then also in response to what's happening in the world. So when we have, we ask for their perspectives on topics that's been uh, in the news uh, for example, more recently, we were talking about how California was thinking about uh, the physical education in schools and classrooms and um, what kind of a role should we have PE exams. And those are the kind of topics that, you know, on the surface, these are policy topics about what's happening in California and the education system. But for a kid who goes to school, these are topics they deal with every single day or every week. So those are kind of the topics that has definitely kind of resonated with kids. So our junior reporter program is where they can share their perspective on what's happening in the news, but also report about what's happening around them as well. And uh, yeah, we have junior reporters across the U.S. and um, internationally as well. So how could a kid become a junior reporter? They just go to the website? 
Yeah, it's really straightforward. We want to get as many kids' perspectives as possible and what they want to report on what's interesting to them. So they go to our website and um, they sign up to be a reporter and they get our monthly um, kind of reporting assignments or they can just share what they want to share, what they want to share, uh, what what they want to share with our readers. Um, I was going to say one of the examples that have been really, really popular with our junior reporters is about technology and wearable devices. And so one of the things we like for our junior reporters to do but really dig into the idea of wearable devices and are they tracker like can parents track you or is it really <laughs> just to encourage you to for example keep up with your health fitness um given that we're all here at home and not getting as much physical activity so it's really interesting how uh, kids can get really into a topic and all we have to do is prompt them um yeah. and, and and that's what we do I love hearing that. I love hearing that. Well, thank you both so much for being here and for educating our children. Where can people find you, Sapna? Uh, www.zayazanews.com, xyzanews.com. We actually are right now in the middle of a really interesting things. We are creating a virtual time capsule where kids can put in their thoughts into the time, you know, virtual time love capsule. Love that. Uh, it's, it's really great. I mean, it's end of the year, so we were talking a lot about the end of the year, but we are really excited about our end of the year issue where we essentially review all that happened in 2020. And that's always, as Joanne says, a keepsake issue. So we are excited about, you know, what's coming up the rest of the month. So yes, www.xyzanews.com is where you can find us. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And you can find me, Donna Tatro, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And don't forget to download and subscribe. And thanks for listening to Kids Under Construction.